0: We're going to be reading from John chapter 18, reading from verse 15. John chapter 18, verse 15. Again, we are in the chronological life of Jesus, and, and uh, we are now at the trial. We've just covered the, the first two parts of three parts of the religious trial, uh, and now during this, now, now what's taking place during the, this second part of the religious trial, there was another scene taking place. And that was the denial of Peter. And that's what we will focus in on today. John chapter 18, verse 15. Simon Peter was following Jesus, and so was another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest. But Peter was standing at the door outside. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the doorkeeper and brought Peter in. Then the slave girl who kept the door said to Peter, You're not one of the man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. Now the slave and the officers were standing there, having made a charcoal fire, for it was cold, and they were warming themselves. And Peter was also with them, standing and warming himself. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. This is now, I've skipped down to verse 25. Verse 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples. Are you? And he denied it and he said, I am not. And one of the slaves of the high priest, being a relative of the one whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter then denied it again and immediately a rooster crowed. So you will remember, I hope that we said that Peter said that I will go with you to death. I will die with you. I don't know about these others, but I will die with you. And Jesus said... You know, Satan has desired to sift you as chaff from wheat, but I have prayed for you. And and, uh, and he says, before this night is over, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. In some of the Gospels it says before the cock crows. But more specifically, after two, before two crows, you're going to deny me three times. So... This, uh, this instance where it says that, that uh, Simon Peter followed Jesus and so, and so did another disciple. That other disciple was John. John who was writing this gospel. So remember, the writers of the scriptures of the gospels often put themselves into the gospel, but they don't refer to themselves by name. Uh, and, and, uh, but we know from this text and other texts that John... John, the, the disciple John, this is not John the Baptist, this is John the disciple John who wrote this. He's known to the family of the high priest, so he's able to get in. So they are now having again this second phase of the religious trial is a secret trial, again, violating their own law. And this is in the house of Caiaphas, who's the high priest, at his house. Remember, they were only supposed to have the, the, the trials in the, in, the, in the temple compound but they're having this secret trial, so John's able to get in, Peter's outside, so John goes to get him in because he's known to the slaves of the high priest. He's known to that family, so he goes to get, in, get him in, not knowing that this was providing the avenue for which, uh, um, for which Peter's denial would take place. And so it says that there are three instances where he's going to deny the Lord because the Lord said he would deny me three times. John only out, outlines it as a denial. But the other Gospels, as we'll see, they're, they're all, of, all four Gospels talk about this denial of, of, uh, of, of Peter, Peter's denial. The first instance, he just says, I am not, when he's confronted Do you know him, or are you one of his disciples? I am not. The second instance, he actually replies with an oath, it says. The second instance, he replies with an oath. Now John's Gospel only says, and he replied in the negative. He said, I am not. You say, well, then this uh, can't be true because it's not exactly the same. No, that makes it true because it's not exactly the same. If every observer reports it exactly the same way, there is collusion. That is not the way things are reported. Things are reported, in essence, they are exactly the same. He three times said, I am not. The second time, the other gospel writer writes that he replies, I am not with an oath. So he swears to the fact that he is not his disciple. The third time, it says he starts cursing and swearing to the fact that he is not. And that cursing needs an object in the Greek, and that object is likely Jesus himself. And you say, well, why would he say that? So what happens is he gets in, a slave girl who's attending the gate and sees him going in, she's moving over with him toward this fire that is set up so the slaves are out there warming themselves along with the Roman cohort. Remember, there's a lot of soldiers there. There's the temple guard. Jesus, Jesus is inside... John and Peter are outside and they're warming themselves by the fire. This slave girl moves in and says this to him. And then another slave says something to him, says, aren't you one of his disciples? But it's not just her. It's a group of them. So she's, it says, whispering to other people that, hey, this is one of his disciples. And then it's a few of them are saying, are you one of the disciples? Because one of the Gospels says that Peter replies, man, he replies specifically, man, what are you talking about? So this is a group of people, and then again, a third group of people say, you know, didn't I see you in the garden? And the other person says, aren't you a Galilean? So there's multiple people here making accusations, and that then leads to the third denial. You look at it in that context, all of the four Gospels make entirely good sense. The easiest thing to do, and the most elementary thing that is done, is to read a gospel and read another gospel and say, oh, there's controversy here, can't be right. That just shows that you're really a novice at this. Historians never look at it in that way. They look at it in essence, are all of these right? And is there a way that there could have been a functioning and dealing so that all of them are right? And going by what I just told you, all of them are right. And so, in fact, remember, it says that Peter had cut off the ear of the, the high priest's slave. And it names him by name, and it was only John's Gospel that named him by name, because John was familiar with the high priest's slaves. He was familiar with his family. And this is one of the other slaves of the high priest that was obviously there. He says, didn't I see you in the garden with him? And so he goes ahead and he... he, uh, he, he he continues on with that discourse so look now in uh, uh, Luke chapter 22 we're going to read another one of the gospels and what it says Luke chapter 22 verse 54 Luke 22:54. having arrested him they led him away and brought him to the house of the high priest but Peter was following at a distance and after they had kindled the fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down there Peter was sitting among them And a servant girl, seeing him, as he sat in the firelight and looking intently at him, said, This man was with him too. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, another saw him and said, You are one of them too. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And about an hour had passed. Another man began to insist, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you're talking about. Immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the words of the Lord and how he had told him before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. So this is a big home. It's the home of of the high priest. There's a courtyard outside. Jesus is inside. Right after this third denial, all of a sudden, there was a pathway for Peter to see Jesus. Jesus looks through a doorway or some opening, and his eyes catch Peter's eyes. His eyes catch Peter's eyes. And it was likely not a look of condemnation, but a look of Peter. Peter. And the cock crows, and he went out, and he wept bitterly. He didn't just go out and weep. Peter went out and wept bitterly. This was a major failure in Peter's life. Peter was willing to die with Jesus. Peter was the one who took out a sword and was willing to start fighting to defend Jesus. Knowing with four to six hundred Roman soldiers right behind that servant of the high priest that he was likely going to die. But when Jesus says, put away the sword, they all start running. Peter runs too. It was not his intent to desert the Lord, but it is where he ended up. And very often when we fall into sin, it is not our intent that morning to say, I think I'm going to sin against God today. That generally doesn't happen. We find ourselves in a situation where we've sinned against the Lord. It's not something that we generally planned on. Now, there are times you may scheme and try to do something, but generally, you find yourself caught in a situation. Then Peter is surrounded by all these people around the fire and they are probably cursing Jesus. And you say, well, why would they be cursing Jesus around that fire outside Caiaphas' house? Well, first of all, their master inside hates Jesus. Second of all, We know from the first cock crowing is at midnight, the second cock crowing is at 3 a.m. It is likely not actual crowing of roosters because there was a pattern in that society that every three hours there was a cock crowing. That was the sign of, that there was an indication that this was a a multiple hour period. So it was probably at 12 and then again at 3. But we do know that it was at least Certainly more than one hour because it says after about an hour. So between the second denial and the third, there was at least an hour because the scriptures say after about an hour that occurred. So you see this denial that, that had taken place. There are these groups of people and they're whispering among themselves. They're saying, you were with them too. Yeah, yeah, you were with them. And then the guy says, yeah, I saw you in the garden. So you see it's multiple people within this, each one of these accusations. The first person to speak up was a slave girl. The second one was a group of people. There were men and women amongst them. The third one, again, was a group of people accusing him of this. And then, then this takes place. Let's look in Mark. Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, we're going to start reading from verse 54, and then we're going to skip down to 66. Mark 14:54. Peter had followed at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest and he was sitting with the officers warming himself by the fire. So again, Peter follows. And we know from John's Gospel, John had followed too. So there were at least two of the, two, two of the disciples that came back and followed. That Peter followed, that people, Peter risked his own life to go back, again, is an indication of his good intent here. Verse 66 of Mark 14. As Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and she said, you also were with Jesus, the Nazarene. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you're talking about. So you see, Mark is giving us more description of what he said in the denial. Then he says, and he went out onto the porch the servant girl saw him and began once more to say to the bystanders. Again, she's speaking to bystanders. It's not just her now. This, this is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a while, the bystanders were saying, were, were again saying to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean too. But he began to curse and to swear. And that is where, in the Greek, this needs an object. So these folks are probably around here cursing out Jesus because they're kept up till three in the morning. What do you do if you're kept up till three in the morning? You know, what do you do? Do you say, Oh, I am so glad now I know for you you're just you're just getting started at three in the morning. But most normal human beings that are kept up to three in the morning generally get pretty antsy. And the slaves and the soldiers out there that are warming themselves, so they're freezing. They're warming themselves around this fire because this trial is going on. What are you going to do? You're cursing the object of what is causing you to be here. And it's this guy. And so Peter is hearing this for hours and he's now picking up on this and saying, hey, here's how I can get out. And you pick up on this same thing. He began to curse and to swear, I do not know this man you are talking about. Immediately a rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had made the remark to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he began to weep. And so Matthew's gospel underscores again the same sort of thing. All of this is within the context of how I painted this picture for you. There is this denial of Peter, and he goes out and he weeps bitterly. This is the best thing that's shown in the scriptures the best thing the Scriptures can show is the failure of people. Why? Because it gives us hope. It gives us hope. If, as some religions teach, prophets can't sin, holy men don't sin, then there's no hope for me. There's no hope for me because does not our own hearts, do not our own hearts convict us and show us our humanity? and our regular failure to follow through with the Lord on that in which we are supposed to do. Who among you, who among us, can say we are without sin? We are without fault. We have totally stood by the Lord and witnessed to Him at every cause. Nobody can do that. If someone were to raise their hand, you'd look at them like, you're an idiot. I mean, how blind are you? Because our own hearts convict us. Our own hearts testify of this. And this is the beautiful thing about the Scriptures. And this further tells us that this Word is not manipulated. The apostles wrote the Scriptures. If they were manipulating this, they never would have written themselves in a bad light. People just don't normally do that. This again testifies to us that the Scriptures are true. Because it shows human failure. Not just once, but three times to deny the Lord with cursing and swearing and swearing even and cursing using the name of the Lord in the cursing. Which likely is what scholars talk about. That was the object of the cursing. This gives us hope. Jesus looks at him. And then Peter remembers that the Lord told him this. He said, Satan desires to sift you. But I have prayed for you, Peter, so that when you are restored, you can go and help your brothers. That's the beautiful thing. When there is restoration, we're able to help our brothers. If we view ourselves as being greater than the other, it makes it very hard to work with people. Because we view them as somehow less than us. You know, and if if we ever start thinking, why couldn't those people just be as devoted as I am? Oh, you're just ready for a fall. You are ready for a fall. And when you have fallen, just remember, the Lord will pick you up and then you'll be able to go and help your brothers. If a man thinks he stands, let him take heed lest he fall, the Scripture says. And then, right after the resurrection the Lord starts to minister to Peter to restore him. Peter feels so convicted. This look of Jesus, which is probably a merciful look, but so convicted, he went out weeping. It says in Mark chapter 16, verse 7, that the angels, after the resurrection, it says, but go tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Go and tell his disciples and Peter, because Peter probably thought I'm not even his disciple anymore I mean I've been disbarred I've been unqualified here I mean I can't even be his disciple I denied him three times at his very trial I denied him the angel says go tell his disciples and specifically Peter this is what the Lord does we fall and he picks us up we see our own humanity he says perfect now you're ready Get up. Let's move on. When we see our own weakness, then we are ready. And you think specifically of Peter. When you think of Peter, Peter was such an amazing man, such an amazing apostle. How could he have functioned had he not experienced this very fall? So in in Acts chapter 3, verse 6 and 7, it says that Peter was so anointed that if he would walk and his shadow would just hit a sick person, the sick person was healed. They used to line up sick people on the proper side of the road, so the sun was just right, so that when Peter would walk by, his shadow might fall on them and they would be healed. Now, what human being could have such an anointing and not start feeling proud? I mean, what human being? I mean, we, one little thing happens with us. And all of a sudden, like, huh, I'm really something. That really happens with us, one little thing. You know, we pray they get healed, and people are like, wow, you prayed for that person, they got healed. Well, what do you expect? <laughs> I mean, this is it's just a matter of faith, you know? I mean, Peter just walks by, and the shadow hits them, and they're healed. In John chapter 4, verse 22, Peter looks at a man who's been lame. He's over 40 years old. He's been lame from the time of birth. Lame all his life. So his leg muscles have never been used. He's over 40 years old. Peter looks at him. The guy's begging. And Peter and, and, and John say, gold and silver have we none, but in the name of Jesus Christ, get up. And he grabs him by the arm and pulls him up. And the guy starts dancing. Dancing. Who could do such a thing and not feel proud except a man that has gone through this type of denial? Don't you see that failures prepare us to be used of the Lord? The, the ultimate failure would be to not walk with the Lord again, which is what many people do. They say, I am just too much of a sinner. I blew it too badly. I just can't walk with the Lord. That then is where the enemy has won. Now you are ready to be used of the Lord. It is the failure that lets us see our own humanity and allows us to walk with the Lord. In Acts chapter 5, Peter says to a man named Ananias, is this the full price you got for your land? And Ananias lies to him. And Peter said, how could you lie to the Holy Spirit like that? Boom, Ananias dies right in front of him. Just like that. Then it says, and the young men carried him out and buried him. That is the first job noted for young men in the church was to bury the dead. The pattern is, young men are to do the physical work. God has made you young, made you strong, you do physical work. Alright? Don't stand around. When chairs are being picked up, when things need to be picked up, you work. You do things. That is the first task in the church. Then... His wife walks in sometime later. She didn't know that Ananias, her husband, had dropped dead a few hours earlier. Peter says, is that the price you, you got for the land? She says, yeah, that's right. He says, how could you have done that? Boom, she drops dead. I mean, that's the power of Peter. Do you see how this failure prepares him to somehow get in his mind that he's not anything special? And then you think, okay, so now he's an apostle. Now he's all set not turn to uh, Galatians chapter 2 Galatians chapter 2 and in Galatians chapter 2 <clears throat> there's a there's an instance starting reading from verse 11 where Peter Peter has two names Peter and Cephas Jesus has used both the scriptures use both so Peter or Cephas is visiting the Antioch church. That is the church where Paul started. That is Paul's church. That is where church, the, the place where Paul and Barnabas started out. That is the church that first sent out Paul to the mission field. That church was composed of a lot of Gentiles, meaning people who are not Jews. There are Jews, there are Greeks, meaning Gentiles, and then there is the church. Once we are in the church, we are all one. Jews, Gentiles, doesn't matter. We are all one and we are all treated the same. Once we are in the church, outside the church, God deals with two people groups, the Jews and the Gentiles. There's a third people group and that's the church. Whoever receives the Lord, we are all one in Christ. And He deals with us as a block of people all the same. And Peter is visiting this church and it says that Peter... At first, he was having a grand time with these Gentiles in this church. And he'd sit with them and eat with them. But then James, the leader of the Jerusalem church, sent the party of the circumcision, that means Jews, to visit Peter up in the Antioch church. Peter starts saying, wow, these Jews are going to see me sitting with Gentiles and that doesn't look good, so I think I won't sit with the Gentiles when we eat anymore. I'll just sit with Jewish people. This is Peter, the great apostle. And then Paul comes and he sees this and he challenges him. He says in verse 11 of Galatians chapter 2, But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. This is Paul the apostle opposing Peter the apostle to his face in the presence of all. You say, why does he do this? Because the scriptures themselves say when leadership has gone awry, you oppose them openly, so they'd learn to never do this again. Verse 12, For prior to the coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. The rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, that's Peter, in the presence of all, if you, being a Jew, live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, how is it that you compel the Gentiles to live like the Jews? So no matter how high we get, no matter how important you are, just remember there is always room for correction. There is always room for correction. So you may think, okay, I, I've been through my, you know, my denial of Jesus. I've recovered now, I'm, I'm, I'm the apostle. I'm, I'm the man. Just remember, you're not done. Peter was opposed to his face by Paul. And he says, you are a hypocrite. Paul loved that church. That was Paul's home church. Paul himself was a Jew. But he was the one who was so blessed by this Gentile church. And he opposed Peter to his face. Peter was not done being corrected. This was in about 50 A.D. In about 65 A.D., 66 A.D., 15 or 16 years later, Peter is writing about... Turn to the book of 2 Peter. The book of 2 Peter. So Peter is writing in this book of of 2 Peter. And in 2 Peter chapter 3... Peter is writing about Paul's writings. Let's turn to verse 14. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. So this is 15 or 16 years after he had been reproved openly by Paul. He says, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless, and regard the patience of the Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, wrote to you. As also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which some things are hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the Scriptures to their own destruction. So, what does he say? He, first of all, he, he calls Paul a beloved brother. And he says, I want you to obey all of his letters. Meaning that this is what ultimately became our New Testament. And he equates them with the Scriptures. Peter himself elevates the writings of Paul to the level of the Scriptures. Do you think he held resentment toward Paul for public correction? I mean, here was a man who understood what it is to walk in humility, even being so great an apostle, he is able to receive correction and to speak of Paul as a beloved brother and to say of him, his writings, his letters, are equivalent to the scriptures, to the Tanakh, to the Old Testament itself, in our authority. So you see what I mean? You see what He is able to do. That when we go through a failure, this is what prepares us for walking with the Lord all the closer. You will find times in your life where you will end up doing things and you say, how could I have done that? How could I have said that? How could I have said this to the person that I love so much? how could I have done this to my children? How could I have done this to my parents? How could I have done such a thing? You know, I knew. I, I know, I know fundamentally it was wrong to have taken that money. It was wrong to have changed those numbers. I know it. Why did I do it? Let it bring you to a place of bitter weeping. In repentance, learn how to receive the forgiveness of God and move on. It is pure recovery. What we walk with in the Lord is we constantly walking in a state of recovery. And the Lord picks us up, picks us up, picks us up till we are recovered. And as soon as we get to that pinnacle where we say, I am recovered, the Lord says, okay, now you're ready for another fall. As soon as you think you've got it, now you're ready. Now watch. And it's, it's amazing, our Christian life. We walk along a knife's edge of pride, and so he, he just pushes us. Because we walk in pride, and we are about, and he allows us to go through a fall. And then we walk in this despair, and he raises us up. And he says, you are wonderful in me. And he raises us up. This is Christian life. And no matter how old you are, no matter how advanced you are, you need to be open to correction and open to receiving from others. This is Christian life because the glorification has not yet come. One day you will be glorified. And when that day comes, then you will be ready. Let's pray. Abba, Father, thank You so much for Your Word, for the truth of Your Word. And Lord, I pray that You take these young people and You so work in their hearts that failure would not be something that would crush them and make them useless for Your service. But Father, through failure and the mimicking of the life of Peter and the life of David, and the life of men that have gone before us, that they would learn to recover from failure. And Father, that they would always be open to correction. Lord, I know some here will end up being CEOs and presidents and high positions and high executives in companies. Some here will end up being professors and being leaders in their field. Father, may they always remember this message And be open to correction. May they always remember this message. And to even speak highly of those who would dare to correct them. Father, I pray that they would have open hearts to receive from you. Lord, work this in their lives. And Father, for those here today that don't know you. That are unable to come close to you because they haven't received the free gift that you've offered. Father, I pray that this day they would pray with me and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me because I am a sinner. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Jesus is Lord and I believe that He has risen from the dead. Father, draw them to your Son, I pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen.